if the U.S. government, the media, the legal system, and the church can't keep democracy alive. It's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this. How are you doing? I I don't know. Like I'm doing the thing that they tell you to do, which is like just stay active in yeah. you know doing proactive things for for yeah. the election, not just being active, but right. doing proactive things. I've been doing some text banking. I'm working on election day because, and I will not check Twitter. At least that's my goal. <laughs> because yeah, that's I know smart. I'll be furious. How are you doing? You, while I'm writing, you tell me how. I, you know, I'm sure I know, but <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been a week weeks. I've actually the last couple of days and there's something to, to what, you know, you just said about taking action. I mean, I, I, I did some texting that made me feel better. Um, for one thing, I was texting uh, democratic voters in Wisconsin and I got almost completely positive responses back. So, you know, I've, I've, I've had some meltdowns today. I, I have to, I posted about this uh, earlier in the week, but seeing the 60 minutes, um, interview with, um, with, uh, shitbag and, and, um, Mike Pence and Mike Pence. Yeah. Um, was, <laughs> It was triggering more than I think I realized. I mean, it really kind of fucked with me for the next couple of days. So that was right. that was difficult. Realizing the the evangelical rallying around people like Pence and and then indirectly around Trump. I mean, for some people, clearly they are full throated Trump Trumpers, but there are so many of them who really are the wimpy. Well, I don't like the way he tweets and I don't like the way he acts, but, you know, he is for religious liberty and, you know, he's given us judges that are conservative. Religious liberty. That is also. Isn't that I mean, obviously, that's like a Frank Luntz, uh, you know, polling. You remember how Luntz actually they were for religious. If they were for religious liberty, they would actually be against exactly what the Republicans have been doing for the last how many years. But where they are actually politicizing religion and making a state religion out of Christianity. I mean, they they should be against that. They should be against that, but they're not. And, no, and I because think, it's their religion, it's their faith, yeah, so they're exactly all for right. it. They're in power, it's fine, that's, but it's absolutely against religious liberty. Yes. No, I agree completely. And, and honestly, it feels like that this is part of a Frank Luntz uh, focus group, you know, where he changed <laughs> that he changed the dynamic about and he found that people were scared by by uh, global warming. So he said, let's call it climate change. It feels like that somebody did that they they realize evangelicals were having difficulty rallying around, you know, and say, I am for discriminating against gay and lesbian and trans people. I am for uh, limiting access, uh, religious discrimination against Muslims. You know, you can, it, yeah. that's a, even, even they know that that's a non-starter. So they, they pulled this and said, oh, we'll talk about it in the context of religious liberty. So we're concerned about our religious liberty, which is the religious, actually the religious freedom to be an asshole. That's what they're asking. Right. 
Welcome to our pre-election edition of Estate Sale. I'm Lori Lattimore-Volkman. And I'm Brad Rayley. Thanks for joining us. It is days, hours, <laughs> actually, to go before we know whether the country is going to re-elect a giant jackass or a man with a soul aimed to help and heal. And we want to talk about some positive things and not just the negatives against this awful president. So this isn't a shout out to my former Georgia State student, Jennifer Claiborne, who reminded me last week, it's not enough to just trash Donald Trump. We also have to talk about why we are for Joe Biden. So today we're going to tell you why we are for this man, because Biden is not just a better choice than Trump, but actually a great choice for America. However, I promised Brad we could have some time for rants. So that we can get it out of our system. Brad, what are you most anxious about heading into election day? Is it Trump or is it voters? Um, that's an excellent question. Um, Cause I see Trump actually really imploding and just uh, he, he, there's no coherent message. I mean, he's alienating people left and right. He's encouraging people in the middle of some of the worst COVID outbreaks in the country to mock masks and to, I mean, it, it's, you know, everything, all the polling shows him that one of the things that he pulls so poorly on for the American people is his handling of the coronavirus. And he seems to have decided to double down on that and just actually make it even worse. I like you, I, I am nervous about voters, although I am heartened to see the massive turnout that we're seeing, you know, in places like Texas and places like Oklahoma, my friends in Oklahoma are talking about, never seen lines like this for early voting. Um, some of that has to do with uh, COVID for sure, but there's clearly a lot of, so I, I am, uh, I'm, I'm concerned about obviously the same things you are, uh, courts and manipulation of access to counting or closing down counts or making it harder to get those votes dropped off. So I'm nervous about that. I mean, um, but there's also some positives there in terms of, you know, that one of the, one of the things that people have pointed out is the the, you know, the Trump kind of bashing early voting and, and mail voting has actually encouraged so many people to go vote in person early. So so what about what about you? What about what what are you most uh, uh, fearful of? I am fearful that all of these projections that are positive in Biden's favor aren't going to turn out to be the truth. <laughs> like, I've been nervous. That's why, you know, you've heard me for the last three months. Every time you'd bring up a poll, I'd be like, I'm not listening to all that because I can't. I cannot get my hopes up. And as I mentioned to you before the show, I look at this like a football game. And, and when I watch the Broncos, I am not done being nervous until like 10 minutes after we win because – you just never know what's going to happen. And I feel like we are, we're up by three, maybe we're up by one. <laughs> we're up by one and the opponent is driving and we're just hoping that our defense, you know, is strong enough to stop them and hoping that the refs aren't going to cheat. And I am really worried about the refs in this metaphor. Um, but I try not to focus on that. I, like you, I, the, the remedy for me has been to be proactive. And I feel like, I've been proactive since November 5th, 2015, you know, like whatever, whatever date that was actually November 8th. I don't know, but I, okay. oh my goodness, I've been, 
I, I have been protesting and I've been ranting and we've yeah. been podcasting and I've been phone banking, not really phone banking. I've been texting. I've been putting things on doors. I have all my signs up, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to do everything I can. I'm working the polls on election day as a poll worker. And, um, I've That's already got, you know, like my little dance routine worked out so I can entertain them for four hours while they're in line. If I'm doing everything I can, then I won't be just focusing on my deep, deep worry, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is deep. And, you know, I see the president and you're right. Like we've been saying this in some ways, you just let him keep talking and he digs himself a grave, except then you see all these people still chanting when he says, you know, COVID, 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 all they can talk about COVID. He's like, you watch November 4th, it's going to go away because Democrats, they're only doing this for political reasons. I'm like, oh my gosh, how can you be such, such an ass? I mean, a thousand people died yesterday, died. 70,000 people tested positive. We're in a new wave. And in some ways, this wave has been a little less severe because we kind of know what we're dealing with more. But right. in other ways, the places it's hitting, they don't have the resources that New York even had at the time or California had. And so we're going to have overrun hospitals and overworked health workers and frontline workers and, and you know, all that stimulus that we just gave the economy, it's running out. Right. It has run out. You know, like we can't right. keep this going. This cannot keep going. And so to just stand there and act like this is all political is, is just the, the biggest metaphor for this presidency that I could think of. In the midst of people literally dying around him, he's like, look at me. I'm so great. And none of that stuff you see is real. And it just drives me insane that he's still doing it up until the final hour. And I worry that there are just still too many stupid people. (laughs) One other thing, by the way, and this was this is not really so much of a rant, but uh, my brother-in-law sent me the um, um, David Brooks column from this morning from the New York times. Oh, yeah, I, haven't see, I haven't seen it yet. Uh-uh. Yeah. And I, I read it pretty quickly. I'll have to go back and look at it again, but it was essentially the five great things that Biden has already done. And so what right. he argued was that he said, I sat down and started reading through all of Biden's speeches. And he says, I have to say, I think that even his supporters are not giving him due credit for what he's done, that he is actually figured out how to, I can't remember all five of them, but there were there were several that really popped to the top. One of them was that he had taken some of the ideology out of the election by focusing on the coronavirus, you know, that you can actually, it gives moderates and even conservative uh, Republicans a justification for voting based on the coronavirus, not based on some ideological assumption about, you don't even have to talk about science in that context. You're just saying, look, this is out of control. We need to make it, we need to respond to it better. Um, The other thing that he has done, I think, and I've seen this too, and I know you have too, is that I think it's incredibly powerful whenever Biden responds to the Trump kind of, you know, if you're, if you're, friend or foe. If you're a foe, we're going to, you know, we're going to beat you up or we're going to cut funding for your state or we're going to, you know, not give you wildlife fire relief, you know, because he's an asshole. He fashions <laughs> like know. he fashions himself like a mob boss. I think he watched too many episodes of The Sopranos and thinks that's that's how this works. And Biden has responded, I think, really effectively by saying, I will be 
I, I will be the president of everybody. I will be the president of people right. who vote for me. I will right. work to make sure you have good health care and that you have clean water and that we address the COVID outbreak in your state and in your community. And that that, you know, he's he's been very consistent about that. I mean, you know, I remember a political scientist friend of mine who I got really ticked at in 2016, and he was correct about this. But when when Hillary said the deplorable thing, she wasn't wrong. She was absolutely completely fucking yeah. correct that it was a basket of deplorables. <laughs> and, and she didn't even call all Trump voters that she was saying that there were people that were, you know, caught up in, in economic anxiety. And then there were this basket of deplorables who were racist assholes. You know, that's what she was saying. And she was not wrong, but it became such a rallying cry for the right. You know, it became, yeah. it became that thing. And I have to say, Biden has not done that. He has, he has yeah. found ways to just simply, you know, not bash Trump voters. Not, I mean, he just hasn't even, from what I've seen, and I don't watch everything he does, but it feels like he's no. not attacking them at all. He's attacking Never. Trump. He's attacking right. the administration. He's attacking the way that they're they're doing what they're doing. But he's not going after his voters, and then consistently saying, "I will be everybody's president," which is. I mean, I, I have to say that's that's a pretty cool thing. And then finally, the the other thing he did. Now, I'm curious what you what you're thinking is, um, uh, Brooks said that he thought that he was appealing to evangelical voters uh, by simply not dismissing them. He's bought a lot of, of of ad space on Christian radio. He's been trying to appeal to them just on basic decency and stuff like that. And again, you know, you you and I've had this conversation since you and I've been talking um, in our since we reconnected on Facebook, I'm sure about these evangelicals. And I mean, that there is a blind mindset there that is just, I mean, it's cult. It is a fucking cult. And so we know that for yeah. many of them, they have doubled down on abortion and they are perfectly willing to kill as many Americans as they have to, to prove that they're pro-life and they will do that, you know, but there are those sliver, there are those sliver of, of evangelicals who, yeah, they're probably more pro-life than I am. Or they, I mean, in terms of their their approach on abortion, they're probably still not comfortable with with gay and lesbian and trans uh, reality. Um, they're not exactly sure what to do with science and 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 climate change and evolution. But they're but they are people who are driven by decency, who who they themselves would never ever ever act that way, and they don't appreciate it when people act that way. And I think that Biden's appeal to that is effective. And and you know, as we've talked about from the beginning, if he whittles off just a few percentage points off of those 2016 numbers on any of the demographics that he won in 2016, he's in trouble. And so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, there's a, there's a whole group. Ron Sider actually, he didn't, I don't know if he started it, but he definitely promoted it. It's a, you know, pro-lifers for Joe Biden right. kind of thing. And it's, it's essentially them saying they, they don't agree with his stand on abortion as, we would come to expect, right? But they understand that there are far more issues to pro-life than abortion, and he is far more uh, the obvious choice for that than Donald Trump or you yeah. know, any Republican. I mean, truthfully, we know. I'm sure Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about abortion. He really doesn't. And should he be in a compromising situation, he'd be all for it, right? But. Joe Biden has a much more reasoned position, like many Democrats, which is right. very much, you know, not what the GOP and the alt right would like people to believe that we're like, hey, let's go kill a bunch of babies. Yeah, that's right. But that's right. yeah, you know, 
the far better choice is to work to make abortion not the option, you right, know, right, like that right. is the whole goal. No Democrat is out there trying to make sure a lot of women will just, and a lot of teenage girls are just going to, you know, get rid of babies. It's right. dumb, just dumb. It is. And, and by the way, what does it say about our political system, which we have probably respected too much or revered <laughs> too much, that it is not in a politician's best interest to do good public policy? I mean, reducing abortions uh, by providing good health care, um, having good access to contraceptives, good science based um, uh, sex education, all of that kind of stuff that a, a lot of other developed nations already do. Yeah, that yeah. that is good public policy that that saves not only lives, it saves it saves families, it saves young girls, it saves that that standing for good public health policy is a political detriment to these people. That tells you that our political system is out of whack. I was going to say when you said it's not pro birth, you're right. It's, it's, it's like pro political fetus. We might as well just yeah, call that's it. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call it PPF from now on. And it's, and PPF. it's, and it's deeply anti-women. I mean, that's, you know, the, deeply. It, you yes. know, cause these, these, these pregnancies aren't occurring, um, without a male partner somewhere, you know, and those, those people are never the ones in the crosshairs and, you know, it's never attacking the, the, the men, um, you know, anyway. And was it Alabama? They, they tried to pass us a, a law that was going to be something like you could blame the woman for getting uh, raped or something. It was like, it was so absurd. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And I, you may have seen the, was it uh Kuwaiti air? Uh, that a woman they, they found, I think, I don't know, I have all the details. There was a suspicion of a miscarriage or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they strip searched all the women um, of, you know, childbearing age on, on the plane. Um, and I mean, this is something that I, you know, I mean, again, not being able to walk things out. I mean, if you, if you, if you criminalize abortion to the level that most of these people are willing to do, then every woman who has a miscarriage is going to be under suspicion. But there are an amazing number of people in this country, and the polling shows this in terms of not trusting Trump when it comes to, well, actually, even his supporters think he lies. But, but in terms of trusting him on the, on the virus, I mean, people do not. I mean, they, Biden polls right. so much better on that. The fact that Biden, that, that Trump still polls well on economic issues is stunning to me. I mean, that's the stupid. But that is the do- stupid but people do recognize that he has completely blown uh, the coronavirus. I mean, I think again, not everybody, but you know, most people, even even some some conservatives. And um, so, I speaking I'm, of I'm, the economy, let's just go ahead and let's let's put that little myth to rest too, because first of all, he loves to tout the market and Wall Street, and actually, this week because of the pandemic and because of its spread across Europe and the concern that this is going to last for the winter and it's going to be worse here, the market is way down. Yep. So it's interesting because the one that he's kept pointing to is actually the one that's looking the worst at this very point in time, even though over time and across the year, the, you know, the market is, I think comes out at kind of a flat yeah. average, but yeah. The economy, you know, that that economic report that came out last week or this or a couple of days ago, 
which they spin to make it sound like, you know, look, the economy's bouncing back. It's looking good. That is just not the case. We, yeah. we have so many people out of work. The pandemic has actually shown the huge divide between the haves and have nots. And so rich people have actually fared fine, even to some extent very well in the pandemic because they can stay home and work. They have jobs that allow them to be remote. They haven't lost jobs. And then they've been able to take advantage of some of the stimulus package money for business and the low interest rates. So all these rich people are running around buying more houses. Meanwhile, most of America is struggling to figure out their, you know, their job, if they still have one, how to educate their kids and work, how to keep their mortgage, how to pay their utility bills, you know, struggling big time. And, and so the economy is in this delicate balance just because of the stimulus, but families are not doing well. And ultimately we are looking at a, a huge crash. I mean, maybe not a, an official crash, like a market, but you know, right. a recession and yeah. likely a depression. Yeah. And, and, and we should, and this is something my wife, Lisa is always hoping that you and I will talk about. And I think we have some, but a good reminder that the stock market is not the economy and that no, that, that's never <laughs> been, it's actually never been the case. Even the, the 20s, stock market is rich people's money. I mean, that, so yeah. just the, the fact that they even talk about it, like it's the economy, the economy looks good. It's like, Go ask everybody how their job is right now. Yeah. And I mean, when you mostly have a gig economy, you also don't have the right. strongest economy. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, if you, so to be fair, compared to the 1929, when that, when that crash happened, I think there were less than 20% of, of Americans who had stock. So the stock market crash, while it, it, it was the thing people focused on, that's not the reason the depression was so deep because most Americans didn't own stock. So they didn't give a shit about that. They were right. already in a depression because of bank failures and all the things that were happening. If we flash forward, more people are in the stock market because if you have a job with some kind of benefits, you probably have at have least a 401k. 401k and you have some kind of some kind of, of investment vehicle that has some stock reflection. Let's just put it that way. But I'm guessing, I haven't seen the numbers, but I'm guessing that that part is still maybe just half the country that has just a small, I mean, there's, there's a portion that have no stocks whatsoever. I mean, if you're a gig, like you said, if you're, if you're an Uber driver and that's your, that's your income, you're not getting benefits. You probably, maybe, maybe you have a little, uh, uh, stock market thing, but probably not. Um, I mean, we know from, from previous polling that most people, most Americans don't have much in the way of savings or retirement. Um, and that has to do with deep seated inequalities that, that really took hold in the eighties when, when credit expansion of credit, was to to mask the decline or stagnation of wages. And, you know, that's something that no one really talks about, I think, enough. Regardless, you flash forward here, I think you're exactly right. For most Americans, this is not doing well. The economy is not doing well. We're seeing reports of small businesses closing for good. We're seeing, uh, I know, you know, in my line of work with, with musicians, they're struggling. Venues are struggling. Um, that they're not, doing well they are not doing well and yes the trump circle that are investing and selling short and have all this kind of stuff they're they're doing fine because of of, of rigging the system so you know there, there's a couple of indicators by the way that are, need to be kind of looked at uh is you know wrong direction right direction kind of stuff 
there were a lot of people, I think, who voted for Trump in in 2016 that thought the country was going in the wrong direction because of Obama, but they attached to Trump the 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 good direction. The wrong direction numbers now are like 65, 70 percent of Americans think the country's heading in the wrong direction. And that makes it really hard when you're the incumbent. You know, I mean, even <laughs> the incumbent who keeps trying to pretend like he's not the president responsible for all of this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can see it because it, it's sort of this uh, uh, make America great. Oh, wait, make America great again. Um, make, uh, you know, what are we doing here? You know, because yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a tricky line to, to cross. But I, I forget which comedian it was. If it, was it was Stephen Colbert who pointed out that. You know, Trump's just mad that COVID is getting more airtime. No, Obama. Obama was the one who said, keep saying COVID, COVID, COVID. He's jealous that COVID's getting more airtime than he is. Before we get to our positives, uh, I want to address this whole thing on the left. And I just want to make the point that I remember in 2016 really being in battles online with a lot of people. You know, we were following Susan Sarandon and following Jill Stein. And the fact that Gary Johnson was, you know, typically high clearly high the whole campaign <laughs> um but you know susan sarandon has uh is voting for biden uh even though she's pissed and she thinks he's clearly not far enough to the left i have young musician friends who are way to the left of me or actually probably not way to the left but they are to the left of me and they yeah. see me as probably kind of the old you know liberal guard who are adamant i had one who i was really convinced oh my god she's probably not going to vote or she's going to vote third party and she's writing this is not rocket science there's only two people that are going to win and one of them is clearly awful and one of them is not as far <laughs> left as we want but we can push him right you know right so right. i am not seeing that kind of leftist i'm too pure to vote for biden i'm not saying it isn't there but I'll give you a good example of how that seems to be working out here in Colorado. The, the, I don't know what your ballot looked like in terms of how many candidates are on there in terms of for president. Ours was a pretty long list, including a whole bunch of people I had never heard of in my life. Form, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. actually one of my friends here in Colorado says, evidently anybody can get on the ballot in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> but that was actually kind of a, a key part is that there was nobody on there outside of Biden and Trump who was really recognizable at all. Let's do some, let's do some discussions. Cause I, I, I do admire that question from your former student that's saying we need to, we need to be pro Biden, not just anti-Trump, which I think you and I have been, uh, uh, pretty early on, but, and it's a difficult kind of little, uh, you know, lined thread, right? I mean, right. Because so much of the positives are, uh, about negatives for Trump. So right, what right. if you could say, maybe you can start since you've been thinking about this longer. So you've had the cheat sheet. Yeah. No, yeah, uh, the cheat sheet. Blow I, I the tell curve. you, so I'm going to start with climate change issues and just this this need to have a president who recognizes the true existential threat yes. of climate change, not just to Americans, but to the entire planet. Yep. And I feel like I have been as angry with the way Trump has rolled back all of these protections that Obama did just through his executive orders to, you know, take away protections for clean water and clean air and, you know, forcing some restrictions on emit carbon emissions and just so many, it's like 125 executive orders he's passed to roll back what Obama had passed. And I feel like yeah. a lot of it was vindictive 
toward Obama. But some of it is just, you know, just to support his corporate buddies and zero concern for the planet that scientists are telling us over and over again, we are crushing. And if we don't get on board, you know, don't get back to some of these standards we will not have the quality of life. We, we will not have the clean air and the clean water and the, and the, the food stores and the, you know, the thriving economy in possibly as soon as 10 years from now. Yeah. And we have to stop thinking that we can stand alone as Americans and that it doesn't matter what happens around the world, even if we're not the first ones to kind of be affected by some of the adverse problems with climate change. Worldwide famine is not good for us. It's not good for anybody. The fact that Biden truly sees this as a big problem and one of the first things he wants to do when he gets into office is pass his climate change measure proves to me he understands how big of a deal this is. And it's not just lip service to the environment right now. So now me? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'll let you take one. <laughs> Yeah, I think actually one of the positives I really like is, and I saw this in Obama too, this this genuine appeal to people who don't like him. Um, not yeah. a dismissive, I mean, Obama was always trying very hard, uh, I thought, to appeal to people to say, I I actually, I, I want to do things for you too. And I think that way with Joe too. And he's, I mean, he's made it very overt. And I think it's, it's, it's easy to make it overt because the opposition is somebody who is so vindictive and so um, awful. But but for Biden, I think it is genuine. I mean, I think this yeah. is his track record. He really does want to reach out to people. He wants to, he wants, and and I love that idea that I think theoretically we should have a democracy where, you know, our representatives represent us, whether we voted for them or not. And I, and I'm hopeful that, that Biden, that appeal is something people like. Yeah. And I think you pointed this out and I would totally agree. I think it, it doesn't come across from Biden as just kind of be a PR stunt a political ploy because his opponent is so much the opposite. You know right. I mean? It is, it's not like he's just trying to say, Hey, I'm the unifier while well, he's the divider. Right. He actually is. And he doesn't even, he hasn't even, it's been organic. He hasn't had to say it. <laughs> yeah. Decency and, and empathy. Those are, those are some positives that are. Um, Which is probably a really good segue into his coronavirus response, you know, which would not normally be an agenda item. Right. But right. I think it it is the number one issue that voters are concerned about right now. And it's extremely clear Trump has zero desire to even deal with it now. I mean, much less after he could potentially be reelected. He doesn't even want to work on it right now. Even when he kind of needs to overcome the image he has, he can't even do it for political reasons. There's no way he's going to do it just for, hey, this is you know the good thing to do to our American right. people. Biden actually has already a coronavirus plan. He has pages and pages of what he will do first. And it has to do with, you know, the vaccine. It has to do with the, the mandates. It has to do with the economy. It has to do with all the ways that we've all been talking about in different places have tried to enact things. But because we've had such a vacuum in of leadership, none, nothing has really been done effectively because it's been so piecemeal all over the country. You know, Trump keeps pretending like he has some sort of healthcare plan, some sort of coronavirus plan, and he just gave blank pages to Leslie Stahl. So we know what that really amounts to. So he has nothing. And the guy who's not even in office yet is already coming up with ways to try and fix this. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned the the uh, the the giant stack of pages that that Kaylee handed to Leslie Stahl after Trump had stormed off in a in a snit. His chief of staff came out on Monday and essentially uh, waved the yeah. white flag, said we're not we're not we're not going to control the pandemic. We're yeah. just not going to. And you know, so that's exactly. I, I think you're exactly right. So so. Yeah, uh, positively for Biden, uh, for one thing, one of the things I'm going to go back to is just simply somebody who has uh, policy plans and experience um, that is 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 more likely to hire people uh, uh, on a pandemic uh, plan that is a scientist, an epidemiologist, somebody who's deal, dealt with pandemics, as opposed to Trump, who has hired essentially people who are his PR flax or his censorship people. Um, and, and I think about that with everything. I mean, Biden wants to expand the rail uh, network, which I think is an amazing idea. And I hope that happens. I'm guessing if he does that and he wants to have a czar who's in charge of that, he's going to pick somebody who knows something about infrastructure and transportation. He's <laughs> right. not pick somebody who is, you know, my pillow guy who, who praised him at a, at a rally oh. someplace. And yeah. this not for nothing. He will respect the military. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think this is the, not even remotely the the main reason to vote against Trump, you know, or, or to hate Trump, but his disrespect for the military, I truly yeah. find reprehensible. One, one more thing I would add, I don't really, actually, let's, I don't want to end on this one, but immigration is going to be an issue we definitely have to deal with, right? And I do think Biden and Obama don't have a squeaky clean record on immigration. That criticism has totally been abused by by Trump and the GOP to try to, you know, blame a lot of things on Obama and, and his presidency. But the truth is, we didn't do the best things we could with our immigration policy then. How I'm going to turn that around is Biden knows that he he didn't really get a good chance to talk about it in the debate and he didn't do, in my opinion, the best way of kind of refuting Trump's attempts to attack him on that. You know, Obama built those cages. You know, I wish if Biden had said, you know, we we did put those buildings in place, but that was not how we. That that was not how we enacted our policy either. Right. And but I appreciated the fact when he was asking the town hall about the crime bill that he he was a part of. He said that was a mistake. Yeah. Um. You know. And so you know that that would be. I would I would say this. I I admire people who are willing to admit error. And um, absolutely. I mean, if anyone needs to be accountable, it has to be the president, right? Yeah. The uh, um the funniest part I did see the clip uh, from the debate where. Because of course Trump really did take some hits when earlier in the in the uh, pandemic when he said I I don't take any responsibility at all, um, <laughs> and of course he tried in the debate to say I take absolute responsibility. It wasn't and my fault. I know yeah. that was funny. My um, final one that I'll end with is okay. so we end on something I think positive and also something that's kind of a topic we talk a lot about on here is just. I appreciate, it's not the reason I'm voting for Biden, but I do really appreciate how Biden uses his faith as a, a guide for how he lives his life and how that helps him, you know, sort of apply morality to his policymaking, mm -hmm. but it is not a political stance. And we have definitely not seen that in the GOP for years and certainly not in Trump. I agree. I, I think the way he has talked about his faith and the way he's demonstrated it, 
um, is is really positive. And so I, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, it's not it's not number one on the list as to why I'm voting for him, but um, but it's you know it's something I do appreciate, and I I, I would I I like the idea of somebody being informed morally by their religious background. But not so much so that they're going to uh, cram it down your throat and uh, not so much that they, you know, want to hit you over the head with it. All right. Well, so two hours later, I think we're done. I think we I think we've convinced everyone why they should vote for Biden. Exactly. And if you don't vote for Biden, by the way, you people suck. It's time for a state sale, a podcast on American democracy, because America is better than this.